Every word of God is pure, and all Scripture has been given by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit for our instruction in righteousness. The portion that forms the basis for our study this day is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put off the new man, excuse me, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So far, our text. Dear fellow redeemed, in Christ Jesus, who is not only the head of the Holy Christian Church, but he is also the head of every individual Christian. Grace and peace be unto you. Last week we had a chance to take a look at the section earlier in chapter 4 and take a look at the phrase Christian Church. And there we saw that the word Christian Church can be a reference to the invisible, the one Holy Christian Church, which consists of all believers and only believers in Jesus Christ. But Christian church can also have reference to visible churches, of which there are many. Invisible churches can fall into two categories, true teaching visible churches and churches which have true teachings also, but mixed in with some false teachings. We saw that those are visible churches, many. And we were reminded then of how Jesus is the head of that holy Christian church. Now, as you advance in chapter 4 of Ephesians, the thought turns from Jesus, head of the Holy Christian Church, to the individual members of the Holy Christian Church, to the Christian himself. As we get started in our study, it would be important to define the word Christian, because we live in a world where it is grossly misunderstood. Some people might define the word Christian as someone who follows Jesus and his teachings and tries to do their best to imitate the life of Jesus. Others might say that a Christian is someone who just does good stuff all the time. Others might say that a Christian is someone who tries to live according to a certain religious set of principles. But we know from our Bible study that the word Christian refers to someone who knows they are sinful and looks to Jesus as Savior from sin. That's the definition of a Christian. And now we begin to see that whereas, some, whereas the world thinks of the concept of good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, the Christian and biblical perspective is different. As you study the scriptures, it's not the sin that damns. It's not the sin that you commit that damns. It's the attitude towards that sin. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be damned. And when the unbeliever sins, he has a different attitude about that. When the unbeliever sins, he loves it and wants to do more of it. When the Christian sins, he hates it and goes back to Jesus for forgiveness. May God's Spirit bless our study of the word he has recorded. 
We begin at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. We're introduced to the phrase Gentile, and that can be used two ways in the Bible. The companion term is Jew. So when you refer to a Jew or a Gentile, you might be referring to a person's race. What kind of blood do they have flowing in their system? Are they a descendant of Abraham? That would be a Jew. Are they not a descendant of Abraham? That would be the rest of the mankind, and the vast majority being Gentile. But the Bible also uses the term Jew and Gentile to refer to what's in your heart. Do you believe what Abraham believed? Are you a Christian? In that sense, you are a Jew by faith. If, you're not a, if you do not, not a believer, if you do not believe in Jesus, well, then you're a Gentile, an unbeliever. And it's being used that way in our text here, speaking about the way unbelievers walk. They have a lifestyle. They walk around. They walk around at home. They walk around out in the community. They walk around at church, excuse me, at school, or they walk around at work in a certain way. And that way is, oh, it ain't pretty. The first term used to describe the way the gent unbelievers walk is in the futility of their mind. The word futility means useless, senseless, worthless. I think of the term aimless. They got all these thoughts in their mind and it's just aimless. There's, there's no end, there's no goal in mind. They're walking around empty-headed, so to speak. Verse 18, having an understanding darkened. The word <coughs> Understanding kind of gives you the idea of just the way of thinking. So just the way they think about things is darkened. The opposite, of course, is light. The light has gone off. There is no light. The way of thinking is just altogether wrong, being alienated from the life of God. The word alienated can refer also to what happens in a marriage when a husband and wife are estranged, when they are separated. And here it's being used in a different way. So when we are, they are separated, the unbeliever is separated from the life of God. It can't get much worse. Having your, way, your, your mind is just aimless in its thinking, your whole way of understanding life is darkened, and you're alienated from, separated from God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. You can see both head and heart are off the track with the unbeliever. That's the way every human being starts. Earlier in the epistle, we were told about being dead in trespasses and sins. And here now, the picture is advanced somewhat for us. It's advanced for us with a variety, a compounding of phrases. There's a blindness that follows being dead. There's a uh, ignorance that's in them. There's a wrong way of thinking. There's a wrong way of living. They're separated from God. It is a gruesome picture culminating in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. They get to the point where they are numb. Unbelievers get to the point where they surrender themselves to a more and more evil. And finally, the last phrase, to work all uncleanness with greediness. The word greediness is perhaps maybe uh, not the best of translations, because that gives you the thought of wanting more stuff. But here, it just is simply the thought of wanting more. 
So they've given themselves over, they've surrendered to doing evil, and they want to work all uncleanness more and more and more and more. And you can see it in the, it's the attitude of the unbeliever. I've sinned, and I love it. And I want to do more and more of it, such as the darkness of the mind of the unbeliever. And that's one way of living. But thanks be to God that there's also another way of living, a way where he entered into the picture. For you and I were born the same way as we were born in unbelief, dead in trespasses and sins. We were born with a mind that was off the track. We were born with the attitude of loving sin, and is there some more sin I can do? And there's some new sins I can do. We were born exactly the same way. But God stepped into the picture. We're at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus stepped into the picture and rescued us from that one way of life. You have heard about Jesus. You have learned Jesus. You have been taught by Jesus. Jesus delivers the truth. And the truth of the matter is, all human beings are born dead in trespasses and sins. And Jesus came into the world to rescue them. He came into the world with a holy birth. He came into the world and led a holy life. And then he went to the cross on Calvary. This is what we've learned, isn't it? He went to the cross on Calvary to pay for the sins of mankind, to pay, to pay for our sins. And he rose Easter morning to totally and completely defeat death itself. That's what Jesus has taught us. That's the truth about Jesus. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He has come to call sinners to repentance. He has come to give his life a ransom for many. And that presents a whole different way of living. A whole different way of living as a Christian. Verse 22 of our text. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. The word put off is probably what all of us did earlier today. We had some nightwear clothing we were wearing, and when we got up in the morning, we put that off. So here we're instructed to put off the old man. The old man that is active in the life of the unbeliever is something that we still have with us today as well. The old man is to be put off that former conduct who grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Last week, we saw how the Christian church is attacked with deceitfulness. Here, we are carrying around inside of us some deceitfulness. And we're instructed to put that off and, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. As we put off our sleepwear from last night, we put on some other clothing for today. And so we're instructed here to put off the old man and get dressed, put on the new man. Now Luther does a nice job of summarizing this section in, the, uh, in, his, <clears throat> in his small catechism under the topic of baptism. What's the meaning of this baptism with water? It means that the old Adam in us should be drowned by daily contrition and repentance and die with all sins and evil desires. It also means that a new man should daily appear and arise who lives, before, lives eternally before God in righteousness and purity. 
I admire Luther's wisdom in putting in there one key word twice. The key word that he put in there twice, daily. Put off a new man, excuse me, put off the old man daily, put on the new man daily. This putting off the old clothing and putting on the new clothing isn't something that takes place once a week. is isn't something that takes place every so often. It's something that we have to get up every single day. And remember, we're carrying around inside of us the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And put that off and put on and rejoice in the new man, which walks before God in righteousness and holiness. In our, in our, excuse me, in our sermon text, there's something that's attached to that old man and something that's attached to the new man. The old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. The old man keeps getting fueled and energized by lusts. We heard that a little bit earlier when the unbeliever sins and wants to do more sins. That's the old man. But the new man is, according to God, created. The one is something where the old Adam keeps generating self for itself. The new man, oh, that comes outside of us. That's created according to God. It's a whole new creation. And you go back to the creation of the world with Adam and Eve and recognize, see there how God created them in his own image. And that image was lost through sin. And now God creates that new image, again, creates that image again with the new man in the Christian. But just as it was a creation in the beginning of the world, well, it's a creation for each of us. And that new man is created by God's Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. There are a couple, excuse me, I want us to take a sneak peek ahead to chapter 5. Pastor Nominal will be taking us to that study next week, God willing. But in verse 3, it talks about fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. It uses two of the terms from our text here today. And it talks about how the unbeliever likes that stuff called uncleanness and more and more of it. And then it says in chapter 5, oh, by the way, that shouldn't even come up as part of the topic when you're talking about Christians. Don't let that uncleanness and wanting more and more sin to be even named among Christians. And we have, following our text then, a couple of nice examples of putting off the old Adam and putting on the new man. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, that each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. There's one concrete example that we would set aside the old man with his lies and put on the new man with truth. Verse 28, another example. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Well, there's a fine example of putting off the old man, no longer looking to take stuff from people illegally, just stealing it, but rather going off and working hard so that you have something to give to others. There's a nice example of old man, new man. Again, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Oh, there's a nice, another nice example. Don't let uh, bad language come out of your mouth, but let good language come out of your mouth that will help lead people to Jesus. Old man, new man. And we can think of many examples in the world in which we live today. I thought of a couple. I thought of, for example, 
someone who thinks, you know, I really don't need to get married. I can just live with someone before marriage. Well, that's, really, that's old man thinking. That's not new man. New man thinking is kind of like Nathan and Kendra, who said, yes, we'd like to live together, and we're going to appear in God's house, which they did yesterday, to begin their married life together with Jesus Christ. There's an example of old man, new man. And aren't we living in a world today where people are saying, do it the old man way. Do it the old man way. And they don't even care about the new man way. That's the way of the world, the way of the unbelievers. Another example might be the misuse of God's name, which you can see in books, movies, music, TV. You can see it all over the place where God's name is so carelessly used. That would be an example of putting off the old man and putting on the new man and using God's name to thank and praise him. As Gerald and Anya thought of and said, you know, we've hit 30 years of marriage and someone deserves credit for this. Our Savior deserves credit. Another example might be use of God's word where people say, uh, yeah, the, you know, the Bible, that's kind of an old book and it was written by a bunch of hum human beings anyway and it's changed over the years. And you know, if you like to read some good old fashioned literature, read the Bible. That's old man thinking. New man thinking is God's word is precious, sweeter than honey. It's better than gold or silver. It's the word of life, eternal life. You see how it is then that it's not the uh, sin itself that damns a person to hell. It's the attitude. The Christian knows that he sins. One of the things that brought all of us here to church this day is the fact that we have spent another week not doing what God wants done and, not, uh, and doing some of the things that God doesn't want done, and we come, again, carrying the burden of sin, and we come to hear once again the message, all is forgiven in Jesus Christ. That, the problem isn't the sin, it's the attitude towards the sin. And the unbeliever says, yeah, I, I, I sinned, but I loved it. And I'm going to do more and more. And the believer says, yeah, I sinned, but I hate it. And I'm going back to Jesus for forgiveness. May God's Spirit continue to guide each of us. And day by day, daily, through word and sacrament, enable us to put off the old man and put on the new man to the glory of our Savior Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which does indeed pass all understanding, shall keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus.